Hey guys, welcome back to the Protein Bros Podcast. Super excited for you guys to listen to this one. Jeremy Meyer is on this episode. Jeremy has been around um, me and Kyle, actually, Kyle and I, for the last like 13 years. Um, he was one of the first uh, gym owners I ever introduced myself to when I was a young manager at Supplement Superstores in Springfield, Missouri. Jeremy has played an integral role in CrossFit um, since its inception. Um, he's one of the very first guys um, to open a CrossFit gym in the Midwest. His HOA event in Springfield has been the premier team event in CrossFit for the last 14, 15 years. Um, he's so influential. He's so intelligent. He has an unbelievable uh, thirst for life. If you listen to this podcast, you will absolutely come away inspired. I have no doubt. And um, if you haven't known this either, he was also in Plus One, the Christian boy band back in 1999 through 2001 and uh, toured the world and was a pop star on top of it. And so uh, we get into all of that along with some uh, life lessons he's learned along the way. Um, you guys lean into this podcast. I'm serious when I say that's uh, unbelievably impactful. I know Kyle and I both left inspired after having that conversation as we always do with Jeremy Meyer. So tune into the episode. Let us know what you guys think in the comments as always and appreciate you listening above all else. Thank you. You're a Lululemon athlete too. Is this true? Uh, still? I was. I, oh. I had a con. They do two-year contracts. Nice. So Are you a legacy so. member now? I am. I am. I'm a Lululemon oh. legacy ambassador. Have you been to but, one of their huddles, the men's huddle that they do annually? No. No. Only heard stories. No. Never gotten to go. No, I do. I don't do. I didn't do that. But my god, they make some good clothes. I know. Man. <laughs> it was fun. I and you know even with that, and we can talk about that as well. But sure. like. I didn't want to do anything that would disengage or not honor my like my sponsorship or relationship with First Form. Mm-hmm. So like I called Jared Bond and was like, "Hey man, this opportunity came." And like I think he was like surprised that I called to ask, but he was like, "Dude, go for it. Hell Girl, yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like that's a great opportunity for you and your personal brand. Do it." I'm like okay, thanks. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I should. You should uh, shoulder. You should tap next is uh, the normal brand. They just opened in Springfield. We know those guys too really well, mm-hmm. and I like love their clothes too. What uh, love them? What is it? Is it um, like activewear or so? Think of it's it kinda as kind of like Patagonia, but nicer. It. I would tell you it's yeah. Lululemon mixed with Carhartt. Oh, so yeah. if someone were to make yeah, if someone were to make Carhartt clothes, but make them Lulu like stretchy, comfortable, etc. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, they kill it. I mean, like I like been wearing their clothes for the last few years like strictly that's incredible they and um, they're based out of springfield out of st louis but they just oh, opened okay. a location in springfield and uh those guys Where? are really cool guys aren't to they know. the bush brother or they're associated the, with the bush brothers they're the sandstone brothers sandstones, yeah. with the sandstone group and so um you know like the brothers actually like model the clothes at times but uh jenny would love the female clothing yeah group. um like i mean and that's wears all the, the thing the thing for me is like anything that i've ever been able to be on board with or sponsored by i never go tap on their shoulder and say hey can i be your brand ambassador but mm-hmm. it's always like i'm a fan of the company i'm a fan of the brand i believe in whatever it is and then those opportunities somehow end up happening. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll go check out their, yeah, uh, man. it's worth yeah, it. Check out their clothing. They have this uh, material. I'll text it to you. It's called pure Meso mm-hmm. and it's like their signature fabric. That's not all their stuff's made out of it, but like the stuff that is, it's like this, it's the one, you know, it's like this, mm. it's the shirt that you go for, right? It's like yeah. the softness yeah. and yeah, you'll like it. I love yeah. it. Um, so we've been talking all day. 
So for our listeners, um, Jeremy, there's so much to talk about when it comes to you, but let's go all the way back to the beginning <laughs> and say that you've been a top recording artist with a, with a boy band. You've also been a games athlete to a certain point. You've been a games athlete yeah, at the regional level, at the regional level. I've coached at the games easily could have been on a team though. I, yeah. If you chose to be selfish. Yeah. Um, I didn't, you're, you're, <laughs> but you're, as a, but as a coach and then also, um, your gym has been to the games as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, run one of, if not the most prolific CrossFit uh, event over the course of the last, you know, how was it like 15 years? Are we at yeah. close to 15? Yeah. This year would have been 15. Unbelievable. So, we'll yeah. get to talk about that yeah. too. And so, um, I mean, gosh, dude, we look at me, Kyle and I, for all of our listeners, Kyle and I have looked up to Jeremy for so long, uh, whether you've known it or not, we've definitely looked up for you for so long, man. We love you. Um, the way you lead yourself, the way you lead your community, it's all been very inspiring over the years. And so we're just so honored to have you, man. Man, I'm so thankful to be here. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just grateful. So thank you. We, uh, so for, for those of you who don't know, Jeremy's been a baller for quite some time. You would never tell anybody about it. So I found out that you were in this boy band plus one. I feel like it's still, it's just funny. It's It's funny. It happened, but it's just funny to me. I know, but like, I didn't know about it. So here's what's cool. I've known, I knew Jeremy for like years before Mm -hmm. I found out about this. Yeah. I mean, so I had so many encounters with Jeremy before I was like, are you dude? The the backstory, I hate you for not letting me know this. The the backstory of like how we, became friends with Jeremy is me and Jeff both ran supplement superstore or Jeff technically ran supplement superstores in, in Springfield and I was his employee. And I know he'd get after me if I just said that wasn't technical. No, that, that was actually, that was, that was reality. Yeah. And, uh, so at the time, you know, this is like 2009, 2010 CrossFit is like basically at the time I didn't even know what it was. It, it was, was starting to pick up. And it trend. was starting to pick mm-hmm. up and start to trend yeah. around that time. Um, but I, we kept hearing the name Jeremy Meyer. We kept hearing, you know, Springfield CrossFit. You guys got to go check it out. I remember I'd drive down the street and you guys would all be running outside and there'd be, you know, 40 people yeah. running outside. And I'm just like, what is that? I was really deep into like bodybuilding and, and mm-hmm. that type of training at that time. And so, um, you know, but we, we started to see the trend of CrossFit and I'd say you were probably the biggest part in it, or you played a huge part in how like Springfield became like a little CrossFit Mecca at that Mm -hmm. time. There were so many good athletes. There were so many gyms that started to pop up because of you. Um, but me and Jeff basically got introduced to you through that because, um, you just were, you would become such an influential person in the fitness community. Yeah, so in many customers coming in that it, that it went to CrossFit Springfield, and you know if you remember, this is probably the era in which CrossFit um, was getting the most hate, and it was because For of sure. how unbelievably popular it was becoming so quickly. And the the first rule of CrossFit was to always talk about CrossFit <laughs> <laughs> at the time. Yeah. That's how the rep and, and yeah. I would say that Jeremy had nothing to do with any of that. And you went out of your way never to go out of your way to talk about it. Like you were not I, I selling mean, I, it hard I, ever. I, I probably still do that. I mean, mm-hmm. um yeah, but there was a deep seated uh, belief in the method, um, in the, the the culture, the training methodology, all of that. And that belief spurred me on to action and I didn't need to go bitch it and talk about it. I was selling 
the the payoff, the result. You know, we've talked about that today. And I knew the results that people would get if they committed to it consistently and uh, trained the basics and built on that. And uh, so we that's that's what I did. Yeah. And you guys started at a warehouse first, right? It was a, was it even like a storage? Um, man, I mean, I like, mean you honestly, moved like four times in like a yeah, year or two. Yeah, so right? I mean, really starting with CrossFit kind of skips the the precursor to that, which was there was a there was a benefactor. There was a guy who invested initially into this kind of conglomerate of all these college kids that were into fitness, and they were all working out at the Y. Um, and some of them did Pilates, some of them did Capoeira, some of them were kind of into personal training. And then there was an interest by uh, who would eventually become my business partner, my first business partner um, in CrossFit. So we found out that we shared that common interest and we had a mutual friend that introduced us. So, but we really started out, the, the CrossFit aspect was like embedded within this other conglomerate gym we were just in a little room that was like maybe two or three times the size of this. Do you remember the name of the gym? Yeah, it was called Next Level Fitness Academy. So, okay. yeah, Next Level Fitness Academy was like the the original thing. It's actually still our 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 LLC. We're mm-hmm. DBA CrossFit Springfield. So, but um, yeah. So from there, um, it just I mean, timing and trends in business is really big. So the, the front side of that wave was happening. Um, but again, I was, I was also really driven by the fact that I felt like CrossFit started on the West Coast. And it seemed as though like it missed the Midwest. And just all of a sudden, it was really big on the East Coast. And anything that I ever saw about CrossFit from CrossFit HQ was like, hey, there's a, there's a couple of CrossFit gyms here and we're doing some big stuff. And I think just more, more almost like I was intrigued by the mafia growing up, you know, like, sure. so like just more like, Hey, this is our thing. Mm-hmm. La Cosa Nostra, you know, like yeah. this is our thing in the Midwest and we're not going to be overlooked. And really that was a catalyst for heart of America for HOA was I remember telling everyone the second year of HOA, I said, I know that right now CrossFit HQ doesn't give us in the Midwest uh, a lot of love or, you know, like doesn't really showcase maybe what's going on at the time in the Midwest there. But I was like, we're going to make noise. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to make noise and we're going to keep doing what we're doing. And it's going to be so undeniable that they're going to have to listen. And it absolutely worked out that way. I'll never it forget did. it, man. I mean, I believed that with, with all of my being. And I still mm-hmm. do today that, like, um, you know, it's it, the landscape of fitness has changed in innumerable ways over the last 15 years. But there's still so much good in the Midwest that uh, all of us are striving to contribute to the fitness world. Mm-hmm. So, What's the biggest changes you've seen? So, like... Information. Yeah. It's accessible. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's just so much more readily available. Um, so, I mean, we we joked and talk about this, but everybody's an expert on everything all at once somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the access to information is one thing, um, but I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the biggest thing, mm-hmm. just the accessibility of information um, in commerce, being able to just click a button and get what you want. Um, whether it's a training plan or modality or equipment or whatever. Yeah. Um, so 
or a coach. In the in the sport of CrossFit, I've noticed recently it's like you're seeing the first generation of like kids that like grew up and like all they did was CrossFit. I think like yeah. Justin Modernos was like that, and like you have people that just grew Mal up. Mal O'Brien, you know those people <laughs> that like. They've basically crossfitted since they were a little kid versus yeah. like your background. You know, tell everybody what your background was in like uh, sports, Just football, basketball. I mean, those were my two main things. Yeah. And then, you know, after that, just really, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's with the Lego haircut. You always, <laughs> always had good hair. Bro. <laughs> yeah. Bro. That's funny. Come across the middle. I so, dare you. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, uh, yeah, football, basketball, loved, uh, just love sports. I mean, in a lot of ways, when I was in middle school and high school, organized sports kind of saved me, gave me a bit of direction and purpose and structure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I grew up a, ch- a child of the 90s and gangster rap and like, you know, just uh, always inherently, in good and bad ways, kind of a rebellious spirit. Um, and when when my parents' marriage wasn't going great, uh, that's where I started to kind of get off the rails and getting into fights and sneaking out and stealing and doing all that stuff. And I had a coach, um, Kerry Walker, in middle school. He uh, he got me out of class, and uh, he he took me into the hallway where all the trophies were. And uh, he, uh, you know, the trophy case. Yeah. I walk into the high school or middle school. Oh, yeah. But on the wall, there was this picture of, uh, of the sports teams. And he, he says, Meyer, you know who that is? And I look at this guy on the wall in this picture. And I'm like, it looks like him. I'm like, is that you? And he's like, no, that's not me. That was my brother. He said, and my brother was a phenomenal athlete, just like you. And he said he fell in with the wrong crowd. He got off the path, and one night they were partying. He was on the back of a pickup truck. The pickup truck drove off. He fell off. He died. Oh, no. Yeah, terrible. But he's like, Meyer, I don't want that to happen to you, you know? And uh, he was committed, I knew, to giving me uh, an outlet to, to vent my frustrations that he saw that I was having mm-hmm. in seeing kind of the, the, the problems that my parents were having at the time. Um, and so sports gave me that outlet. People like uh, Coach Walker gave me that outlet. And amazingly, um, uh, my, my parents and their marriage has been restored. And if you would have told me that then, I'd have been like, what? <laughs> really? But um, so, yeah. But that's a that's a big kind of like backstory for me on just how sports, my background in sports, really guided me. Mm-hmm. You're in a and with Coach Walker. Do you still talk with him today? Is he? Still, yeah, he owns. Uh, so he's retired, and uh, he opened a brewery uh, right around the corner from where we live uh, there in Springfield called Wire Road. It's how awesome. cool! That is cool, awesome. man. Yeah. Get, Get to drop by there and have a beer Quite and then literally yeah, chop it up with your old coach. Exactly. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and we were so good. Yeah. I, I, that middle school team that we had, we, we were undefeated. Uh, I was our tailback, starting tailback. And uh, I had a good buddy of mine that was a, a big old fullback, like one of those guys that like, you know, he's just – all the parents are out there like, there's no way he's in eighth grade. And yeah. He's like dragging kids Basically in the end Kyle, zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were like thunder and lightning. Though. Yeah. We used to joke like that. Nice. So it was fun. Yeah. So is that, you know, for me, I think uh, 
if you have an athletic background like that, you're always kind of pulled back to wanting to stay athletic and wanting to mm-hmm. basically train like you did growing up. And I think that's like what got me back into wanting to, to do CrossFit. Is that kind of what pulled you to CrossFit in the beginning? Absolutely. Was just yeah. like, it was the first time you were like looking at it. You're like, Oh dude, you know, power cleans. We used to do that in football, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was, um, but it's so weird because, you know, people don't remember this, but you know, 2008, 2007, it's like nobody was doing that. You know what I'm no. saying? Olympic weightlifting yeah. it was non-existent. You know, so <laughs> the buddy, the buddy of mine that I had played football with, I, I, we talked about this earlier, but he, uh, Bryce McDonald, he went to the Naval Academy and then he went infantry in the Marines and uh, he was out in SoCal and got into CrossFit. So he told me about it and I uh, was like, you gotta, you gotta check this out. Just go look it up. And I'm trying to get a, the explanation of what it is, but he's like, it's kind of mixed modality, like kettlebell swings and stuff that at the time was not super common in the gym. And so I Google this like guy doing for 21, 15, nine thrusters and pull-ups. And I'm like, this guy maybe weighs 165. And I'm like, okay, he's moving 95 pounds and he's doing 45 pull-ups. Like that's, that shouldn't be that tough. So I go to do it, and he did, that guy did it in like five minutes, and I do it, and it takes me like 13 minutes, and I'm just like out of breath and, and slobby on the floor. I'm like, oh, my gosh, can't hardly move the next day. But I think the thing that drew me to CrossFit is the, the challenge, like just straight up, just like not wanting to be dominated. You know, when I always tell members, like, I'm like, do you understand when you're weightlifting? that inherently means you're in control of the load. It's not manipulating what you do. You're manipulating it. So you have to have that mindset like that, that like I'm going to be the aggressor. I'm the assertive one. Mm -hmm. So I think just the simple aspect of CrossFit of like having all these skills, tasks, weights to lift, you know, miles to run or whatever. It's like, I don't want any of these tasks to be better than me. I want to be able to dominate these tasks. Mm-hmm. So it's just a check the box. I'm a, you know, I'm just like go line item. My personality type is like, I, if you give me a problem to solve, I want to solve it. You yeah. know? So I think that's, that's the fun thing for me. Every wad is an equation to solve. Yeah. 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 I want to everybody switch. listening to Jeremy was the first person that ever made me do a crossword workout. And it was also Fran and it also sucked. <laughs> and you also had, did you do it like him where you didn't know how to do, you know, kipping could pull-ups you get or into butterfly a, pull-ups? Yeah. Or were you just doing strict pull-ups? Could, yeah. could you get into a front rack? Cause at that point in my life, there was no front rack in sight. And I was yeah, just, I, I doing, didn't even know what that meant. Yeah. You could have said, hey, Oh yeah. Your front rack is off. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. I'm yeah. just holding the bar and squatting and pressing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so um, same same here, man. Yeah. Same here. Quick pause. Luke, can you can we hear Jeremy okay? Okay, I'm just making sure. Okay. Um, so I want to change gears for a quick second because we've talked to a handful of CrossFit athletes on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We've never talked to one who has um, really flourished as an entrepreneur as well. And I want to talk to you about, you know, HOA a little bit because HOA wasn't just, uh, you know, a big event that you guys did every year. It was... Um, trailblazing as far as events being held for fitness. I mean, Mm. it brought people from all over the Midwest. Mm -hmm. It sold out in like a minute. 
every year, right? That is, people, yeah. that is people, crazy. You guys people, were always selling out so dang quick. People waited and waited, and teams would be so upset if they couldn't get in. There was gyms calling and bad-mouthing. And yeah. You know, why didn't we get a team? Like, why did that gym get six teams and we only got four teams? And yeah. it was wild. Um, and it's not at all in the spirit of why you started it at all, of course. In the midst of all of that, people, people thought we had this massive army of, of people, like, you know, working behind the scenes to, like, put on this event and, and, and we had, you know, the weekend of the event, the week of the event, there was a lot of people every year that always converged. But honestly, the endeavor was really just me and Jenny being like, Hey, let's do this thing, you know? And it mm-hmm. brought us closer together and it, and it brought us apart at times, but you know, I mean, yeah, the, the desire was to create a hub for competition at the highest level in the Midwest and always having a singular focus on it being a team oriented event. Um, the shared a hard, hardship aspect in any team environment, whether it's at work, you know, um, in sports, in military, like that shared hardship aspect in school. I remember like the class of kids that I went through with in sports medicine, like that shared hardship as- aspect. Yeah, here's our, our squad back in the day. I think this was the first year that first form uh, got involved with HOA as the title sponsor. So co-title with junk. Mm-hmm. And um, the old fuel for sport tagline back. Yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, hey man, it was, uh, it, it, that's always been a labor of love. Um, we, again, 15 years, this would have been our 15th year. And uh, it's kind of ironic, I guess, that it's heart of America. Um, and my wife has to have heart surgery uh, this fall. So probably in the next month or two. But um, so we decided this year we'd we'd focus on that. Get your surgery. Take done. a pause button there. Yeah, and I'm I, you know I've talked to you guys about this. I feel like just throughout the full circle kind of arc of my career path, I'm really reconnecting with the 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 grassroots why, mm-hmm. just the the simplicity uh, of the joy that I have for the community uh, that we have here in the Midwest just coaching and uh, being present for my athletes, celebrating their victories. You know, you go on this long journey and you hear people talk about the things that you've accomplished and those are all well and good. But at the end of the day, um, I just want to be, I want to know that the things that I'm doing are serving a greater purpose and not just self-serving. But for me, just in alignment with what I know God's calling me to and the, the people that he's calling me to serve. What, what was the, you know, because we talked about that earlier and I, I meant to ask you this earlier, but what was the trigger point of that that basically made you kind of step back and be like, I'm looking at thing, you know, because you've been successful in business since, you know, 2008. Um, you've done a lot of different things in that amount of time. Um, but it, it seems like recently you've kind of had a mindset, mindset shift. Was there any one thing that like led you to that or was that just something you came to on your own? You know, I've, uh, I've realized in your life that there's these watershed moments. So there's these, there's these like, you know, I, I can tell you moments throughout my life that were big crossroads moments. I just shared with you on that coach that, mm-hmm. that spoke with me. It stuck with me. Um, on the side of I-44 when my wife went into cardiac arrest and, and all of that, that changed, that changed me. Um, you know, rebranding from just being CrossFit Springfield to introducing proximal strength. That that changed me. That took some trust. That took some faith. 
Um, so my point is, is that my testimony is not just one circumstance, one event. It's ongoing. Yeah. So what, you know, I think the realization for me is that, that I'm, am I growing? You know, am I growing? And like, I want, I, I want continued growth. And, um, Sometimes we, we talked about this, like a tree has to be pruned back. Dead branches need to be cut away in order for continued growth to occur or life to even be sustained. And so there's things that I'm like, man, you know, what is fulfilling to me? Fulfilling to me is to know that I'm under the, the, the power and purpose of, of the God that I serve and that the assignment that he gives me, whether it's my work my coworkers, my members, my wife, my kids, to know that I'm, I'm on task, on mission doing that. So I think there's times in, in pursuing success where you take yourself out of your need for God's provision and his power and his presence in your life. And you start to operate on this island like, ah, the success that I'm having is because I'm so great. Like, you know, and I'm, I can do this. I don't, I don't need anybody. And I think that's the lie that the world will, will try to sell you. Is that like, you, yeah, you, you do you. You got it on your own. Like that well is finite. Like we just lost a really, really close friend and a coach of my son, uh, Robert Anders. And, uh, you know, may he rest in peace. And he was just a great friend. He lived under the power and purpose and authority of God. And it was evident because he went full send and is super healthy, uh, had a heart condition that they didn't know about. He had a heart attack at 44 and he died in his sleep. So my point is, is we're, we're finite. Like the body is going to go, but the spirit, it is eternal. And I want to do things that are edifying to that. You know, the grass fades, the flowers wither, but the word of the Lord is eternal. So I want to continue to pour into things that I know are going to, to, to edify my community, my friends, my family, and, it, and they'll have a lasting impact. It's just greater than a bank account that can dwindle or, you know, stuff that can be stolen or lost, you know. I you're, think you're excellent at doing that, dude. You know, just hanging out with you, it kind of gives you like a recharging feeling. You know what I'm saying? Like your your outlook on life is, is positive and it's infectious, dude. And there's no... It's no, there's no, um, you know, there's no, uh, I guess it makes a lot of sense as to like why you are as successful as you are and why, because you have the outlook that you have. And I think that, um, like Jeff said earlier, it's like not a lot of people talk the way that you talk, mm. you know I'm what I'm saying? Try to explain it like this, man. I speak to so many people in business. People right? are transactional. Very and transactional. You, you, some people speak with intent and some people live with intent and some people aren't so great at speaking with intent. Mm. They like to just be leading by example. Mm. Right. I think Kyle is a phenomenal person at leading with intent mm -hmm. and leading by example. Yeah, I see that. Um, but he doesn't speak like you speak all the time. And so, uh, my point being is, um, Bro, I'm, I'm working on it. I gotta, I gotta hang out with Jeremy more. But <laughs> what I'm saying that actually makes a really good point mm -hmm. is that is that what is it? Your testimony is ongoing. God is letting he's he's teaching you to let go of the things that aren't edifying, so that you can grab onto the things that are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I haven't always spoken like this. I've I've had pieces of me 
you know, that I've, it's full submersion. I was thinking about this concept on the way over here. I'm like, what is so different right now for me? You know, when you're, when it's, when you know that that pool is cold, you just want to like put your toe in, put your leg in, put your arm in. You're like, ah, I got you. You're like, shut, just jump in. Yeah. You know, just get in. Like full submission, full submersion. I feel like that's kind of where I'm at um, in my in my faith journey. And then it just strips away the anxiety, the fear, the worry, the chase, the unfulfillment from the things that aren't fulfilling. You know, mm-hmm. like all of a sudden now I'm just like, ah, oh, it's breath, it's life, it's. You know, there's hope, there's, you know, there's purpose and, and there's peace. So I, that's the place that I feel like I'm operating from. And I, you know, you always think that you are, you always think that you're more, um, I guess, competent than you really are. Like, you know, Jeff from five years ago probably thought he had all his shit together. Like, and then you look back and you're like, man, that guy didn't know what he was doing like he's figuring stuff out and and it should be like that mm-hmm. like it's an ongoing process right we're that's on what the journey the, we are yeah yeah. We, yeah we should be and that's the point is a continued pursuit i want to bring up a personal uh interaction that we had um for our listeners and honestly for our own team because this is something that was like a really terrifying place for me i was like 21 22 years old mm-hmm. and that we had um, no like rule book back then. This is very early on in the supplement superstores um, company as well as first form had just started. And so I'm told like, you know, we need to grow our business. Right. Yeah. And no one um, lived in Springfield that was like in charge besides me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But what the hell do I know? I'm 21, 22 years old. Right. Yeah. So I keep getting these customers that are from CrossFit Springfield And I'm having really great conversations with them. And, you know, they're just telling me all the momentum that's, that's going on with the sport and with CrossFit Springfield, Mm -hmm. more CrossFit gyms are opening up. I'm like, man, how do I, and I'm thinking purely from like a, I want to grow my business standpoint. Transactional. Very transactional. I'm a kid. I just like, Hey, how can I make it make sense that you help me? Mm. Isn't like, what kind what I'm can I selfish. sell you? Yeah. Yeah. What can I sell you on that we could do for you? And so I reach out to Jeremy. I want I think I go by the gym and we schedule a meeting. I meet you at Classic Rock Coffee. Right and by the gym. Is it still there? Mm-hmm. Is it? Yep. Yeah. That, we actually used to be in that. That used to be our gym. That's funny. Yeah, you yeah. go over. Okay. Yeah. So I go into Classic Rock Coffee. We meet. You tell me that you drink chocolate milk post workout. And you're like, it's been going pretty well for me, Jeff. Like, I'm, 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 pretty good. I'm pretty good at CrossFit, dude. I'm pretty what are you good gonna with CrossFit, me? to be honest with you, Jeff. I don't know what you were trying to sell me on here. But I was like, no, dude, you need, you need something better. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, so, you know, and at the time, by the way, chocolate milk was like a thing. All, it was the, rage. Also, all the rage. Also, yeah. just side note, chocolate milk is delicious. Still it's still great. It's great. We still love it's it. Great. It's great. We still, <laughs> still love get, it. No. Chocolate milk. Yeah. That's how my son used to say it. He'd be like, chocolate milk. <laughs> the, Kyle still says it. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I relate with Vincent on that. Yes. So, so, we, uh, so we meet, we sit down. I don't know what I'm doing again. I'm just straight up like fearless. Uh, but I'm also like trying to, um, you know, I just thought so highly of you based on everybody that's been talking to me. Right. Mm. And I'm like, man, I just, you know, trying to get this guy to freaking like me, you know, and there's people like Macy Mitchell who we had a lot of respect for. Macy's a great name to bring up here. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's talking to me and, and, you know, 
all I'm, all I'm getting at is like, we sit down, we go through all this. I'm like, how do I, I'm like, Hey, people send, uh, I see a lot of your people, you're a lot of your members. How do I get you to like highly recommend us to everybody mm-hmm. versus them finding out about us on their own, you know? And you're like, man, I just, I really just want a relationship to be symbiotic. And I had never even heard anybody use that word. And I was like, <laughs> Google's symbiotic. Like, I'm like, what does that even mean? And it was like my I don't first... know if I'm going to be able to go back to Jason Kane and be like, yeah, all right, my, he's down my, with my symbiotic. <laughs> Dude, so like, th- this is a time where I'm like legitimately in my head, like trying so hard to ascend in my career. I'm trying so hard to build relationships and differentiate myself compared to my peers. Mm. And I'm like... I don't know what that, I don't know what that even, like, I don't understand. I couldn't grasp what you were talking about. You're like, why don't you just work out here? Actually get to know everybody, have no other, you know, um, have no intentions. Have that no, are, yeah. Just have no ulterior motive here yeah. and, and simply just be yourself and people will buy in on their own. You mm-hmm. know, I don't, I don't need to, you know, but if you want if to drop what, a thousand, I think to, what I was trying to say is mm-hmm. if what you're wanting to sell is, is going to solve a need or a problem so well and do it. Yeah. 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 Like you I don't need to, me. Yeah. You don't need me to, to be your advocate, but you know, what's funny is dude, I go to war for you now Yeah, because I know you. Yeah. yeah. Like we, I think that <laughs> you mean you don't want to go after Hold Bert on. from Midwest fitness solutions or whatever it was called. <laughs> yeah. What is it called? I think it was Midwest fitness solutions. Yeah. 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 <laughs> At the I, time Bert was going to your gym and I was like, here's you hey, kidding me. How is he sending people to Bert to bring, to bring this full circle for you? Yeah. Uh, you know, when, when you basically helped teach us something very valuable in business, because when we opened here in Kansas city, when we first opened up, we had everybody coming into our store and having that conversation with us, right? Mm. A lot of people, help us? how can you help yeah. us? Like, you know, do you, mm. sponsor, do you sponsor people, athletes? yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And we were like, we were like, hey, you don't even know if you like our business. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. even know if you jive with our culture. You know what I'm saying? How could yeah. you want something from me before you understand who I am? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Which yeah. is essentially what you were saying to him. You're just exactly. like, hey, dude, like you, you need to, you know, slow your roll a little bit, slow your roll, like understand who I am because you're not going to actually talk about it. Like you're not going to talk about our business with any kind of conviction or like with firsthand knowledge. If we just have some kind of shoddy deal that we shake hands on, we're like, yeah, we'll do that. You know, those deals fall apart. Mm -hmm. Friendships are like forever. You know, that's why you're sitting here right now is because during that time you had the foresight to be like, dude, you know, you planned on being in business for a long time. Hopefully at that time, even though Jeff was young and <laughs> over anxious, you probably saw that like we were going to be in business for a long time. And you were like, this will just work out and we'll eventually become friends where it's like, I it's actual um, recommendations are coming from like a genuine place instead yeah. of, you know, they, a they, force. You taught us a huge lesson that day. And, and that's something that we, like I said, it was a formidable moment for me because uh, no one told me to do that. Like I went up to you on my own yeah. and it was just like rolling the dice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like win or lose, I learned. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, well, after we got done with that conversation, fast forward, go ahead. No, you can go ahead. And well, no, I was just saying it's twofold. Like I, I hear you guys tell me the story and I'm, I'm able to look back and learn. You just said, you know, you learn from it. Like, mm-hmm. it's cool that despite my own shortcomings or being overly ambitious about certain things or whatever, um, that 
33 or 34 year old Jeremy is still teaching 43 year old Jeremy lessons. So I can look back in that rearview mirror as a testimony to like, oh, that my heart was in the right place there. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that affirms something in me. But then um, secondarily, I think the big lesson here is that there's no shortcuts. Right. Yeah. Like if it, if you, it's your fitness, if it's, you know, if it's a shot that gets you in shape, like overnight and there like there's might be a backside of that there's downside risk involved. yeah there's probably like you know like if it comes easy come easy go but the the slow steady there are no shortcuts in business mm-hmm. or in relationships it just takes time this is a, a great uh <clears throat> segue to another point um so the relationship with crossfit springfield my relationship with you I was just like fighting again to just like earn your approval, if you will, Mm. and doing it by not seeing the forest through the trees. Right. I think in my head, like I need to send you more people, you know, I need to buy you a rower, Mm -hmm. you know, not just Mm -hmm. show up every day at your class and just be in the community. Right. Um, I get a call from Sal Frisilla. Sal uh, at the time was, uh, you know, you can call president of first form now, but um, just helping out with first form at the time. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what do you know about Jeremy Meyer? I was like, uh, how do I answer this correctly? <laughs> We're in a symbiotic mean? relationship. The classic, <laughs> the classic, uh, no, but this is like, you know, do you know is, what symbiotic <laughs> means? Yeah. Sounds right. like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I got Google it. He's, uh, Sal, he's, Sal he's be like, that's the most Jeremy shit I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. He he's like, my pair. We have a parasitic. No. Symbiotic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Sal's like, this is during his ascension too. Like at this time, yes. you know, first form is nothing. And yes. Sal is trying to put it on the map. Right. Yes. And, um, he's just like, what'd you do to piss off Jeremy Meyer, Jeff? <laughs> And I was like, what? I was like, dude, I met with them. I gave them an entire stack of supplements that were physically mine. They were not like from the store. I like gave him my own protein, my own pre-workout. Just Imagine trying. a 21-year-old. Yeah, just, I'm like, I gave him, I gave Jeremy Meyer half my net worth. <laughs> like, dude, I was doing Dude, that's true back then. Our I net worth was all in protein. Yeah, dude, I was sold my soul that day yeah. trying to get a business. Hey, listen, I have $20 in the bank, but I have like four jugs of protein at home. Yeah. So like, yes. think about that you know, like, I'll I'm take on the way it. Up. <laughs> this is a part we hadn't talked about yet so i gave jeremy all these supplements he comes back in this is at springfield south store one by the way original west republic road mm-hmm. store. about so as big as this room this studio yeah <laughs> he comes in and he's like well i took all your supplements um i did like them and i did pr and everything and i was like that's awesome will you send me business and start buying them? Cause I can't give you any more cause I don't have any and I don't have wait any till next month. Yeah, and I, I'm like, I'm, at this point there are no like sponsored athletes. There are no first form athletes. There mm-hmm. are no, like, I don't know what to do. And for everybody here. listening, we're yeah. like seeing like, 10 or 15 people a day. Right. So we're this big, is not, Supplement Superstores was not like, we weren't raking in cash. This is like, like when I say like, this was like me really learning this stuff. This is my first time ever doing any of this. Right. So, so Jeremy's like, yeah, dude, I'm loving it. What do I do from here? And I was just kind of like, well, I was just kind of hoping that you liked it now. You just like, you know, keep coming back. And buy it. <laughs> Didn't have a plan uh, beyond this. I was like, really wish I'd have thought this through. Uh, dang. And so anywho, so that, funny. Was, that was the last of me and Jeremy talking like for a minute. And the next call I get is from Sal. And he's like, what'd you do to piss off Jeremy Meyer? I was like, well, gave him a bunch of free stuff and asked for his help. I don't know what you want to say here. You know what I mean? So Sal's like, well, you did something because I just offered him, you know, was it like 10 grand? Like something crazy. He was number, essentially right? trying to do the same thing Jeff did with more exactly. money. Exactly. He did. He did. It was the exact same thing. Yeah. So here's the second. It was 
Yeah, Sal Go. comes in and says, "I'm gonna, I'm, you know, you, you got yourself a nice little event down there in Springfield, uh, don't you, don't you, Jeremy? I'm gonna give you uh, a, t- well, you know, you got any more room for sponsors for that event?" And you're like, "Well, uh, we have some room. We just don't have, you know, the title sponsors are all locked up." And he's like, "No, no, I can't be. I'll, I'll pay you double mm-hmm. than what the, than what the title sponsorship is." Mm-hmm. And what did you say to Sal for sale that day? I just said, "You're, <laughs> you, look at you." <laughs> I, t- I did. I told him. Uh, I said, this isn't, you're not hearing me. This isn't about the money. This is about the relationships that I have in place that I want to honor. And um, that if the roles were reversed and I had already made a commitment to you to be the title sponsor of this event and someone called me and offered me double and I took that, how would you feel? So, I mean, we, I remember that conversation very, very vividly. Uh, I remember the, it was a beautiful day. The sun was shining in the room. I'm pacing, having this conversation with him. But I was honest with him. I told him. It was him a lot I, of money, man. It was a lot of money. He was, it was a lot of money. Yeah. But it's not the last time, first time or last time that I've had someone. We were, I won't say the brand, although I really want to. At, at that HOA, that 2013, uh, there, was a, there was a company that came and sponsored. And they, we were at a hockey rink. And so, you know, everybody's like, there's, there's seating all the way around. There's a grandstands, but then there's smaller stands. And they, they put this banner up, like, right in front of the grandstand. I'm like, dude, can't like, do that. People, people can't see. Like, yeah. literally, they're, they're paying. It was one of the first times I think we were, we may or may not have been charging to go to that one. But that, that's really not the point. The point is, is that the product that we have on display, they can't see because you put your banner up there. He reaches in his pocket, takes out a wad of hundreds and goes, okay, uh, can it stay up there now? And I go, you really think I'm that guy? I said it like that. Yeah. As plainly as I'm saying it to you guys. I go, you really think I'm that guy? I'm like, it's not about that. This isn't about how much money you give me. It's about me living with integrity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Honoring the pe- to the people yeah. what I said I would do. Yeah, you know? these are the people that are supporting this event. And so it's about, you know, those people, that, that little group that's going to sit behind that little sign. It wasn't even a big sign, mm-hmm. you know, but I was like, you can't put it right in front of the, like, he, he wanted to make sure they saw it, you know, in, in spite of anything else. And I was just like, no, that's not, that's not how we're rolling. Oh, Man, if, if, if for anybody who's listening and I mean, they want any kind uh, of longevity in the fitness industry or in business in general, like you just need to rewind the last like five minutes and listen to it over and over again, because there are so many people that have no longevity in business or they have issues in the fitness industry purely because they're doing things on a transactional basis. Um, Self-serving in the moment. And for Jeremy to, I mean, think about how many people would not have done what you did. Think about how many people when they, when Sal calls them, they pick up the phone, they say, you're going to, you're going to give me double. All right, let me and move some fair, things around. There's to, to, I would to be say, fair too to Jeremy, I want to make sure I mention this because at the time, First Form was nothing. They, mm-hmm. they were not a known brand. No one had heard of them. And they were trying to put themselves on the map and make a splash. And so it's like if they're going to do this event, they want to be the title sponsor, not the little guy. You know yeah. what I mean? And so it was important to him that it was title. Right? Yeah, yeah, I don't think, uh, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't think that that's... I mean, dude, we were all just trying to figure it out at the time. And what's crazy is like you had the the foresight to be able to say, you know what? Um, I'm just not that guy. Like if I make a promise to somebody, you know, one of the four agreements is like, you know, 
do what you say you're going to do, mm-hmm. you know, and be um, impeccable with your word. Gotcha. Be, sorry, be impeccable yeah. with your word. Um, but essentially do what you say you're going to do. And if you, if you don't, if you don't do that, people, I mean, you know, the next time you're, you're holding an event or the next HOA, that person's not coming to you. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They have friends and they have family, you know, they, they have spread the word about what kind of person you are, mm-hmm. you know, in that year's time. And now you have, you know, half the sponsors or the people that are coming to you, you know, are just not coming, you know, you're just not getting the business that you used to get. And yeah. it's all purely because of doing something that was self-serving in the moment. And a lot of people do that. And I just think it's cool that, you know, you, you know, had the values at that point in your life. And it seems like you've always had those values that I to, strive. I mean, I'm yeah. not, a, I'm not infallible. I mean, there's, there's times where you lose your way, you lose your focus. We've talked about this earlier today. Like you get into like achieving success and feeling like, okay, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's making all this happen. I deserve, you get into this, like I deserve, I deserve mm-hmm. a little uh, entitlement. Yeah. A little bit I'm of special. entitlement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, and just staying grounded in that. And then, you know, you can deduce that down to every other area of your life. Like, um, I don't, the, the, I, so I ended up being a business partner with Grant Wistrom, uh, who's played in the NFL, won Super Bowl, uh, very, very accomplished college uh, football NFL. hall of fame. At yeah. Nebraska. All the fall, mm-hmm. hall of fames. But, um, the very first time, the way that we got to know each other was, uh, when he and his wife, Melissa had moved their family back to Springfield, um, uh, they started working out. They they were trying different fitness places, and then they had heard about this next level fitness academy that these kids were doing. And um, they they show up, and 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 I am introduced to them, and I knew who he was, and I knew what he had accomplished. But my my goal in that was in working with him was just to simply not treat him any different or with any less excellence that I would any other client that I had. So then there's a congruency and a consistency, not a compartmentalization of how I operate. So, I mean, you can go a million different directions with that concept, but the main thing is, is that I'm not modulating my energy or my effort based on who is in front of me or what opportunity you know, might be self-serving. Where did you learn that? Because that is incredible, dude, to have that at such a young age, man. That's incredible. Yeah, I think I learned, I, I had that, I did have that modeled for, uh, to me by my father. Um, my my dad uh, is just a man of great integrity um, and as well my mother. Um, the fact that Despite all the problems that they had in their marriage, like every marriage does, I've been married 20 years now, and so we've had a lot of problems in 20 years. Mm-hmm. But despite all of those, both of them were, were always humble enough to say, okay, what do I need to work on? What are the dead branches in my life that I need to cut off so that I can grow? And then it leads you, it draws you back to your wife, to the relationships that maybe be severed or maybe broken. And um, just a humility. I think there's just a humility, and you have to you have to crush and cut off that ego, in order to have the humility to to want to just continue to grow and do right. And so you get around people. Um, you know, those are things that I would struggle with because, like, meeting you, I immediately was treating you different because I'm like, this guy's super influential. 
Mm-hmm. Everybody likes this guy. I want this guy to like me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? These are all the things that mm-hmm. flow through my head. And I'm sure these thoughts enter everybody's head. It's just a matter of what they do with them. Yeah. Right. And that's, I mean, that is our nature. So mm-hmm. like that's, that's, I mean, this gets into kind of a spiritual aspect, but there is what the flesh desires. And then there is what the spirit would desire. So God's spirit in me is always like, okay, where, where is this leading? Like, is this leading towards uh, selfish, you know, ambition? Is this leading towards something that honestly leaves you, it's like you grasp at it and it just leaves you punching at air, you know? You just don't ever really get to receive it. But there's such a deep fulfillment that comes with knowing that you're, you're doing, you're hearing some people call their conscience, some people would understand that that is the Holy Spirit that's trying to speak to your heart to do right or do wrong. And there's a discernment that develops like of the ability to, to choose right over wrong as you train that muscle. So, I mean, and work in fitness and try to build and, you know, understand that protein is the building block of strength in the same way. God's spirit is the building block of my faith. You know, as I, as I put into practice things that I know to be true and I look in the rearview mirror of my life and see testimonies of God's goodness as I was faithful and as he was faithful, like God's not going to make me do anything. I can't do his part and he's not going to make me do whatever it is that he's put in me to do. Like I have to choose that. So the more I do that, it's like no one's going to make you eat healthy and exercise. You know, you have to choose that. So you can know that that's what you need to do and not do it, or you can take a hold of it and go, you know what, I'm doing it. And that's where I'm at in life, I think, is like you you spin your wheels on these things that just kind of like leave you unfulfilled, and you just always need more. Like, you know, you just need more of that dopamine hit, and that kind of like fix. And it's like, okay, this is a, this is never-ending hamster wheel that I'm on, and I never feel... A sense of fulfillment so what is it and I've always you know like when I'm when I am like I used to think that I just had to be a church to like worship and I always felt like uh, you know a sense of God's presence there but what I realized is that like his presence is alive in me and so even just on the way up here as I'm like driving in the rain to get to Kansas City from Springfield I found I found myself just kind of like laughing and crying and like I was just full of joy just just sensing that there's a work that God's doing in me and he's going to give me the opportunity to connect with you guys and share that work you know and it all goes back to just like not me trying to take the credit or the glory but understand that just like you know a lot of people We'll pray the Lord's Prayer before a game and not even really think about what that means, you know? Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's his kingdom. Like, we have a, our government is a democracy. It's, you know, it's a government for the, by the people, for the people, you know, of the people. Like, a kingdom is a monarchy. There's a king, mm-hmm. right? So, it's of the king, for the king, by the king. So, like, as I look at my life, I'm like, as I acknowledge him as the king of my life, um, it spills out and it overflows into every other area. So I don't have to try to cling to what I'm trying to steer and get and acquire and accumulate. I can just go, you know what, God, give me the power and the strength through you, through your spirit to have discernment on the decisions that I need to make, the things I need to let go of, 
in the places that I need to lean in and work. That's all beautifully put, man. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Protein Bros Podcast. Just a reminder, we do not run any ads on this podcast. We'd really love to grow it though and make sure that we further our mission of getting our voice out to as many people in the Midwest as possible who love fitness. If you've taken the time to listen, we really appreciate your time. Please like, comment, share the podcast, let people know about it. It's our only ask along the way. Uh, let's get back to the episode. Something I'll probably go back and listen on multiple times. I think I think it's, it, you know, kind of what we were talking about earlier. It's like for you to be able to recognize all of those things and basically be in what I see as, you know, probably, you know, the best place that I've ever seen you in as long as I've known you, mm-hmm. you know, um, while having gone through the change that, you know, the logo change while, you know, um, you know, you have two kids that are basically, you know, teenagers. I was expressing my nervousness of that point in my life when I get there. Um, you know, uh, Jenny, Jenny's having a a heart, uh, surgery in the next month, you said, which I didn't know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So she, she has an arrhythmia, uh, that's called long QT. So mm -hmm. we didn't, we didn't know about that. Um, and it was postpartum, um, after she had had our first son, Vincent or our son, Vincent, and he was eight weeks old. We were driving down I-44, and she coded. She went into her, to, she, she died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I pulled over near Sarcoxy and, uh, and did CPR, and she survived, long story short. But, um, yeah, she's, she's got to have a uh, heart procedure to replace that device. Uh, that the battery yeah that, it's an AICD a, a cardiac de- internal cardiac defibrillator pacemaker see I knew I knew about the uh, story I, I guess I just didn't know about having to go in and replace the uh, the battery the battery yeah so it. that that's so coming up and, and initially and honestly this was really one of the biggest catalysts for not doing HOA this year was that we thought that there's a possibility that they could have to do a lead exchange so extract those leads much more invasive, much more high risk. Um, we've since gotten kind of word and confirmation that that's kind of off the table. Um, but regardless, you know, in light of all these hard things that are going on in me, um, like in my my mind and my spirit, those kind of hard changes, like I'm I'm like I know that this is the margin that needed to be made in our lives for this for this time for this season. Um, to focus on her procedure, to focus on um, our gym, my coaches, my relationship with them, our members, you know, coaching them, leading them, guiding them. Um, and then obviously my kids just being present there for them. And with that, I, I mentioned that Vin's coach passed away. And that was very, very traumatic. I mean, you know, I'm not fixing to call any other man a father figure to my son. Mm-hmm. And that was the beauty of Robert Anders. Um, this man, um, he, he fought to be an advocate for Vincent. So you have kids and you understand that you're not just going to trust, you're not going to give the keys to the castle to anybody to just look over your kids. You really want to know, just like we talk about, you guys know how relational I am. Like in Rob, fought and in the last two years it was me clinging to vin and his path and his journey and feeling like i gotta post everything he does because he's a baller and he's got to make it and and rob was like hey let me do that let me be that and i'm like all right man i trust you mm-hmm. i trust you i know you got him and this sudden jarring loss of such a dear friend i mean ooh, 
just hurt. It hurt. And if we, if, if we would have been doing HOA, this would have been like four to six weeks before the event. Mm-hmm. And I can't even fathom or imagine trying to, trying to, to pull that off mm-hmm. after dealing with, so it's twofold. It's, it's, it's my heart hurting for the loss and grieving my friend. And then it's also, it's also watching my son, like having to go wake up Vincent that morning. I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy. I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. And I'd wish some bad shit on people I don't like. Yeah. I wouldn't wish this on them. It was hard, but um, God is faithful, man. And, um, and his life, Robert's life is one that I look at. And it's, I think that's another thing that's going on in me is like, you know, death brings you face to face with, Ooh, Ooh. Okay. Like, so this ride better, is going to stop. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. this train's going to stop somewhere. Are you happy you with where you're at? You guys are the same age, just to be clear, too. I mean, you and Robert yeah, are we're the same, same age. age. So, yeah. you know, I think it's just you, death is a, is, is, I remember Corey Gibson, the head coach of Austin P, was in town, Robin and him are really good friends, and he said, he goes, y'all are going to wrestle. You're going to wrestle with your emotions because you're going to feel this grief and this loss, but you're also going to feel a sense of hope and joy. Because, you know, like, that's not it. Like, this is finite, right? This body, but not this soul. And uh, just knowing that and seeing the changes in Rob, even over the last couple of years of his life, just seeing his mission focus, his his desire to, to build on relationships um, really quick. He probably about a week before he died, um, we were in there, Vin and I, every Saturday, he goes in and shoots on the gun. And I was downstairs and Rob's real, like, if you know him, he's real, like, keep your, keep your shoes off my, my, those leather chairs, like parents stay off the court, all this stuff. He, he ran a tight ship, like very, very, very by the book standards, his standards. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, but the more that he and I got to know each other and we bonded over entrepreneurship, business ownership, a gym, you know, just yeah, life, faith, all family, all of it. We bonded over that. Coaching, we're both coaches. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm out there, Vin, Vin goes and shoots, and I just sense like, you know what, like, I, wanna, I just kind of want to be in Vin's space, just a, just a rebound for him. Not me, like, motivating him or hyping him up or anything like that, but just like... I don't know. You know, whenever there's people that like are that you love, like your, you know, your wife or your fiance or people that you know just know you, and you just like you just kind of want to be near them. And there was something about that morning. It was like again about a week or two before Rob passed. I just went down there and I've been shooting on the gun, and I just kind of stood down there. And if a ball went out of the net or whatever, I'd just go shag it and throw it back in. I just kind of want to show Vin, like I'm just like I'm with you. I'm I'm down here with you, and um. Uh, Rob said he was up in his office and his office overlooks, you know, he's got this beautiful facility, beautiful, like the glass, you know, he's got like a little, like a, a mini suite up there and he kind of stands up and he looks down and he sees Vin and then he sees like, what's, who's, and he sees that I'm down there on the floor. And whereas probably two years ago, he would have been like, Hey man, Jerm, I need you to get off the floor, man. Like he would have been tactful about it, but he would have been like, Get off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, Jeremy, he's having a moment. He's having a moment with his son. It's beautiful. Like, let him have it. Sat back down. Yeah. And just his awareness, you know, his discernment, it just, it, it was like off the charts, you know. 
um, we were supposed to go to Milwaukee uh, for the last tournament of the year. And Vin is a sophomore, so he's going into his sophomore year, and we're at a time where he's, you know, he's fighting to to kind of pave his way onto that varsity, uh, be, be on that varsity role. And um, Rob's goal as his kind of coach and advocate and mentor was, you, you know, I know you can go bend the corner, get down the hill, and finish on that guy, but he's your age. You need to go do it against that guy. <laughs> you know, that 6A dude that's, like, going to throw your ball into the stand. So Vin, he wanted – Rob wanted Vin to play up the last two tournaments of the year, Cincinnati, Milwaukee. Well, we had got this schedule at the beginning of the year. We commit, made our commitments to go to all these things and book all these hotels and drive all these miles. And um, uh, my wife, uh, her family every summer has a, a, a family reunion. And they hadn't had it scheduled when we made the commitments to do all these tournaments or this last one. So there was a family reunion that weekend. Her grandma, Dottie, um, she is, uh, she's, not, she's like in her 90s, right? And maybe even 99. And um, so we're like, we don't know how much time we have with grandma Dottie. And she's like, I'm really feeling like you guys need to stay and go to the, go to the family reunion. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm really torn about it. So I'm like, I have the type of relationship with Rob where I'm just going to be like, man, I don't know if this is the right decision for our family, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him and say this is the way we're kind of thinking right now. I call Rob up. Hey, man, I don't think we're going to Milwaukee. Uh, we have a family reunion. We're concerned that this may be the last one that we get with Grandma Dottie. And he goes, I disagree, big germ. He said, I respectfully disagree. He's like, I feel as though if that family understands what Vin's assignment and mission is, they're going to want him to stay on mission. That If they love him the way you say they love him, they're going to want him to go do what he needs to do. And I'm like, Rob, yeah, I appreciate you being understanding or whatever, but um, you know, I just want you to see this from like an eternal perspective. This is someone that you love with all your heart, and you don't want to like – go away and like miss their passing. And he goes, Jeremy, I did that. He's like, I came out of nothing in Milwaukee, literally the hood. And I left to go to Missouri and play basketball at SMS, Missouri state. And then I went overseas and won championships in Europe. I missed birthdays, funerals, weddings, all these things. And, um, he said, but nonetheless, I want you to understand that I don't know the temperature of any man's home. So if this is something you need to do with your family for your wife, then I've got you. And I was like, man, I just, I really appreciate your grace and your understanding. And he goes, you know who taught me that? I'm like, who? And I'm like, really thinking like, who? He's like, you did. I was like, Pfft. I'm like, and is that iron sharpens iron? Those were the, that was the relationship I had with Rob Anders. And so I said, let me go talk to Jenny and Vin. And I, I went to Vin, and this is another lesson. I went to Vin. Remember this when you have teenagers. I went to him, and I said, Vincent, uh, you know, I called Coach Rob to tell him that we weren't going to go, and he was really, really supportive, extremely understanding, but he disagrees. <laughs> he thinks that this is what you need to do to stay on your mission, to stay on your assignment, to be showing that you can develop and that you are developing to play at that varsity level. So, um, I told Ben, I said, 24 hours, pray about it. I want you to pray, and I want you to just 
Whichever way you feel led or have a peace in your heart about, let's do it. No regrets. We're not going to regret not going to Milwaukee, and we're not going to regret not going to the family reunion. Whatever you decide, it's your decision. I will support, and we will go. Then text Jenny and I a day later, and I've made my decision. Colin, we're going to Milwaukee. We went to Milwaukee, and my son was cooking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this kid, he, he played the way that Rob taught him to play. And that's as, as, as a dog. He's like, you got to understand that you're this white kid coming out of Springfield, Missouri, going into a gated community. And the guys that you're playing against are coming from nothing. And you're in their way. And you have to want it as bad as they want it. Here he is. This was uh yeah, that was in Cincinnati. So that was a week prior. But um, yeah, and you can see, man, I mean, he's six foot tall now, 5'11", six foot, but um, he does not back down. He, he can ball. So the, the beauty of this story, though, is that we, we, thought, we thought that we shouldn't go to Milwaukee because we would lose Grandma Dottie. Opposite happened. The opposite happened. Who knew? God knew. I think even Rob knew. I think Rob lived his life in such a way that if he were to die today, he was ready because he did everything that he was. He stayed on assignment. He did what he knew. He had a whew, he had a peace about the calling, so he would execute what God called him to. Delayed dis, delayed obedience is disobedience, right? Delayed obedience is disobedience. Being like, oh, man, I got tomorrow. I'll do it then. That's disobedience, right? You tell your kid to do something. Like, it's like, take the trash out now, mm-hmm. right? And, and if then, if you're listening, when I tell you to take the trash out, he's like, yeah, I got it. And he keeps playing his video game. What happens? He forgets, yeah. right? We do too. We think we're so much... You, I mean, we think we think just because we're in our 30s now and we're in our 40s now that we've got it all together. I mean, we just act just the exact, we're the same little kid, the same little rebellious punk kid that will say, oh, yeah, I got it. I'll do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times do you feel like, like God's speaking something to you and you're like, nah, I got time. I'll stop doing this when X, Y, Z, you know? Yeah. So, um that's a lot. Sorry, that was, no, that was really long winded. No, but great, uh, you know, just even that, me. What a, what a, what a crazy impactful story, though, man. It's like for him to have gone home, you know, prayed about it for twenty four hours, and said, "This is what I'm going to do." Like it's just, you know, it's just one of those stories where it's like, it's like a, what you'd see in a movie. It's so that's one. It is like either, yeah. But as you, you know, as you're saying, you're kind of anxious and worried about like getting into that phase of life with your kids. You you can't you can't control then, but you can control now. Yeah. So it's the the daily disciplines of what you're speaking and pouring into their lives, and not just that, what you're modeling, right? How you're living, it, that is going to. And so the joy that I have as a father to see my son like have discernment and have wisdom and have a a confidence that that I know he realizes doesn't come from in himself and he's a kid and I'm not going to put all this pressure on him to do or be something that he's still growing into and becoming. But, um, you know, you see, you see what's in there. And uh, he had a, he had a, Vincent had a, a daycare uh, leader that said to him to said to us long, long time ago, 
I mean, he was little, 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 like three or four. She goes, your son is a lion. Like, he's a warrior. Like, he's either going to use that for a lot of good or a lot of bad. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I've used them for both. So <laughs> I get it. Like, yeah. But, yeah. Dude, I want to talk to you about, like, your, your level of self-awareness because it's a tool. It's a skill that you've absolutely been intentional about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you at least the, the way that I see it is you just have so much wisdom and so much to share. And, um, you know, and that comes through really, really well in the way that you speak. But along the way, I know that you've mentioned, and this was the first time I'd ever heard you talk about this, but um, in a time where me and Kyle were looking up to you and you were ascending in your athletics mm. and your relationships mm-hmm. in your gym and your community, um, so on and so forth. I mean, it just seems like you were just winning at everything. Mm-hmm. And you were like, yeah, dude, I was like, you know, you said, you mentioned things like, um, you know, going after things like status, going after things like, uh, you know, even though you were mentioning at the same time frame, you're like making these hard decisions that you're not, it's not about the money. Mm-hmm. Does a story, can you share a story that stands out to you where you recognized, man, my intent seems a lot of alignment here. Um, man, I mean, there's, I think there's so many times, I mean, you know, that, that, that's like the big knock on, on, on people at times, you know, you're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, let me just cut to the chase. It's going to like, I, I've been imperfect and I know that I'm not infallible. Like, so, you know, I, I think there's a lot of, it's, or there's recognition. I mean, I think that's the cause and the, the, it's the cause of a lot of anxiety in people because they know that they're not, they know there's still some little compartment of their life that they're not really fully submitting or doing right in. And so, yeah, I mean, um, in, uh, so I was, I, my business partnership was not in a great place, um, around 2015, 2014. And, um, I felt like that game Plunko where you, you know, if you remember the price is right and I'm dating myself, but like, if, oh, yeah, if you put, still yeah, going on. yeah. So if you, if you put the little chip in, you know, it's like, I kept putting it in, in different spots to see if I could get a different outcome. It kept going to the same spot. And it was simply that we weren't aligned to be in business together. So it's needs there, you know, it's like the two people can only walk in the same direction if they agree upon the direction that they're going. It's kind of obvious, right? Mm-hmm. And there was like a, there was just kind of like a stagnant, like two people pulling in different directions. And um, at any rate, um, my, just the way that I was coping was so self-destructive. So just drinking and angry and frustrated and just, but even at the same time, I, I can remember like crying out to God and praying, like it helped me to help me to navigate these waters with integrity. Like help me to help me to have the courage to speak what needs to be said and do what needs to be done. So, you know, but my, the way that I was coping was so destructive that my marriage was 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 just hanging by a thread, and uh, there was a there was a tip over point where Jenny's like, "This isn't good. This isn't safe for me and the kids." I wasn't wasn't hitting her or abusive or anything like that, but I was just volatile. And I I remember I remember being I mean I'm being really vulnerable right now, but I remember one time just being in the throes of drunkenness. And I remember 
the God like speaking to my heart. I'm like, stop, just stop. And I go, shut the fuck up. I was like, no. I was like, shut up. I'm, I'm, I've got this. And I'm like, I look back on that. And that was, that was my rebellion. That was my defiance. At the same time, I'm calling out to God to help me navigate these waters of business, you know? But that is a very real example of how fresh water and salt water can't come from the same spring. And Jenny saw that, and she said, I'm taking the kids, and I'm going. And you know who came to my house that night? Jenny was gone for one night, and she took the kids and went down the road to Joplin, where her parents were living at at the time. And that night, I remember a knock at my door, and I was drinking and, and medicating and all that, and I opened up the door, and it was my dad. And he sat next to me, and I can't even remember what what he said. But... Um, that doesn't matter because that, that's the way our Heavenly Father works. Is that it's not really even about what he says, but, but his presence, right? That will bring a, a peace and calm the waters. And, and that's, that was, that was um, you know, gosh. I mean, I look back at, at that season and just, like you said, just thriving you know, in the Holy Spirit, I felt like God talked to me even even in the midst of the, the huge, crazy success of the CrossFit boom. There was times where I'd get to the end of that road at that street, you know, turn left. And I would be like, yeah, we rolling, you know, and I would I would almost like right after I thought that I, w- I would think it's not it's not going to stay like this. Like there's going to be there will be an eventual, you know, struggle. And so prepare, prepare, prepare for that. Like, what are you doing today to prepare for that? It's no different than a savings account. It's all these, you know, deposits that you're making. And, and, and that's really, that's the CrossFit model. There's sick, there's well, there's fit. There's a spectrum. And the World Health Organization would say that well and health is just the absence of being sick. Well, okay, that's great until life happens and you're right here and you get sick and you go this way. But if I built a hedge, right? If I've been making daily, margin, make creating margin, mm-hmm. creating margin in, with my my diet, my exercise, my mental and spiritual health, and they're all correlated and connected. My financial health, you know, all of that. If I'm building a hedge that way, then whenever life happens and the economy does something, and then I break my foot and I can't work out for two months, or you know, like that, I get sick. Like now, I haven't gone from here to like, woo, I'm on death's doorstep. Now I've gone from here to, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm well, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that's a big thing. You know, you talk about like what's changed, how like I think that's just the, the full realization that like, okay, don't compartmentalize. Really, how can I tear back that veil and go, okay, where, let me check like every area. Let me think about how I'm interacting. Like I'm, with my coaches right now, that's that's an area that I'm like, I need to I need to pour more into them. How how can I how can I take this heart in these things and like put it into and package it and communicate it in such a way that it, it's like it's helpful, you know? Mm-hmm. So like I want to do that with my coaches. That's a, that's an area that I know I need to grow in. Um, I'm I'm really just getting back to the basics of. Just the joy of seeing everybody in the gym, you know, 
just the joy of coaching the classes and doing the workouts and all that. You've uh, you've talked a lot about like perspective and, and having gratitude and you were a part of one of the biggest experiences in my life that basically helped me mm-hmm. kind of have that uh, perspective shift. You know, we went on that mission trip to Haiti mm-hmm. and um, man, it, that, it was that point where, you know, we would sit around after, you know, going out for anybody who's been to Haiti or, you know, would want to imagine what Haiti's like. It's like the most beautiful place on earth and also like one of the most sad places on earth. Mm. Um, just because the people are living in, you know, abject poverty. A lot of them don't have, you know, clean, clean water, clean sewage. Um, you know, it's, it's a hard place. There's lots of crime. Um, there's poverty is just the standard there. And, and, um, but the people's, um, the people there are awesome. You know what I'm saying? But afterwards we would go out and we'd work, we were working to build the foundation of a church and, uh, we'd come back afterwards and we'd sit in a group and we'd just kind of talk about, you know, things that, that we had experienced when we were out for the day. High low. Yeah. High low. And, uh, it was, you know, you talk about the high point of the day and then the low point of the day. And I think, though, <clears throat> at that point, you know, if if I'm being honest with myself, up until that trip, I was I was a very selfish person in general. It took a lot to like actually um, that, that when coming back from that trip, it made me made me be able to look at things in a different light, you know, because you go there and it's like, man, you just don't have much to complain about anymore. You know what I'm saying? You, you don't have, um, you know, but anyways, I, I just wanted to tell you that like, you were a big part of that, man. You know, you're a big part of like, I was helping hoping me yeah. like open up in those high lows. Yeah. I wasn't used to, you know, having those kind of conversations with yeah, people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Kyle and, told me on the side, he goes, he's like, man, you know, there was a lot of us there that were there for our first time. And that was your first time in Haiti as well. Wasn't it? Yes. And, um, Kyle, I just remember being really like uh, the impression it put on me when he was sharing the story. He just said that everybody around there was like, you could tell it was their first time being around that and being around these many little kids. And and he was like, Jeremy Meyer was at home, dude. He's like, (laughs) Jeremy was like built for this. Yeah. Well, and and your level of comfort was well. What the reason though is, and again, just just a just a point to God's plan because it's like a it's a puzzle piece. Every little puzzle is, is like, if you look at your life and zoom out, Oh, there's a portrait. I was looking at this one little piece, but whenever I was doing music, when we were living in uh, San Francisco, San Francisco is a crazy city. Have you guys ever been there? No, it's it's beautiful, dude. It's beautiful, Mm. but it it can also be like, you're like, they'd be like, don't go to the Tenderloin district. I'm like, okay, where's that? And they're like across the street. I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm like, bro. (laughs) Like, I mean, it could just change block to block. And and this, this was, uh, this was back in the early two thousands, but, or 99 even. Um, but they would, uh, when, when we first moved there, we worked, um, at a little kid's uh, daycare for her families that were underprivileged or that couldn't afford to send their kids to, you know, a private school or a daycare or whatever. And um, so I just, I was able to just connect with these kids and, and even taking it a further step back. So I have a brother, I have a brother and a sister. My sister is three years younger. My brother is 12 years younger. So He's a musician as well, right? He is a musician. Both, both he and my sister, and um, and they're way better than I ever was. Um, but 
Yeah, so Josh, my brother, it, being 12, 13 years old, 14 years old, what's mom and dad going to do? They're going to be like, hey, we're going to go, oh, there they are. Look at that. You're quick. I'm amazed at how quickly you can pull these up. <laughs> but yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's our, that's my brother and sister. But uh, Josh there, he's 12, 13, 14, you know, like I'm at, I'm at those, those age, those ages. So my mom and dad would leave and go to dinner and it's like, I, I'm they're like, okay, keep them alive. And I'm like, all right. So I'm learning how to change diapers and I'm beating them and I'm teaching them cuss words and like, <laughs> you know, all this stuff. And, um, but I just, I've always just loved, I mean, I think just as I talk about like getting back to just a childlike faith and just wonder at like how God even gives us the opportunity to like, after all these years, have this full circle moment at the table. Like, Dude, that's a that's a miracle in and of itself. Like, cause I and you and all of us could have derailed this moment at yeah. any given time, right? And um, so, yeah, like being there in Haiti, oh, just I w- I want to go back so bad, dude. It just changed my heart. Sign me up now. <laughs> changed my heart. Changed my perspective. I I would I I think it would be. Uh, <laughs> I think it would be a pretty incredible thing to go back to that church. Yeah. You know, you have, I, I talked about like these watershed moments, but you have these mountaintop moments and you have these valley moments. We literally had a mountaintop moment. We hiked up this, through the jungle, up this mountain to build this, the foundation of this church. And um, there's a lot, there's a lot probably there that you could connect dots on that God was doing um, in all of us. But man, what an experience. So they, incredible. they are not as burdened. Um, what you notice in the people is this joy because they're not, you know, you know, they're, they've, they've got problems, but they probably look different than what we think, you know, our first world problems are. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, they're just, there's such a joy that, that all the people have that's so genuine that I think is just so attractive. It's a light, man. My, my phone to this day, um, if, if you scroll, well, that was 2020, right? I think we were or 19. 2018 or 19. 19? Yeah, 19. 19. It, if you scroll back to my phone at that point um, and you look at my photos up on that mountaintop, do you remember those boys? Are they up there in that picture with mm-hmm. us? I have. Oh, yeah. 60. Yeah, yeah they yeah. are. I have 60 <laughs> pictures with those guys. Because they grab their phone, they grab your phone, and they're just taking pictures with it. But it's just like pure joy. They're just like this is such a. They live on they the top. To they live on yeah. the top of a mountain in Haiti. Like they're just like, what is this thing? They're just like cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like it. It was. Uh, you know, it was just one of those pure moments, man. It was in that experience. I just wanted to let you know, dude. It was. It was enhanced having you there, man. You know, no, it, was, it was good. Likewise. It was good, man. And I think about that experience a lot, and you know. Lately, I have been, you know, kind of, you know, have the have the poor me's, you know, that you go through the valleys that you talk about. And it's like thinking about that, having the conversation with you reminds me that like, dude, you know, there is no reason to there's no reason to have the poor me's, you know, Mm -hmm. life is good, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot to be thankful for. And there's a lot of things that I can work on, you know, that um, working on those things and and that's what brings like fulfillment, you know, is working towards, you know, what your purpose is, what your goal is, what the mission is, as you, as you say. 
And, um, you know, it's easy to fall out of that. It's easy to forget about that or it's easy to get caught up with other things. Oh, my kids are, you know, I got kids, you know, I got this, you know, issue or that issue. But, you know, really all of it's not, you know, especially when you think about it in the context of like kids in Haiti. It's like those aren't problems, dude. Mm. Those are not problems. It's like. Pales in comparison. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't diminish or minimize, you know, the stress and the strain that you feel and the struggle that you're working through. Um, but like you said, I mean, I think it gives you perspective and mm-hmm. perspective is always really, really, really good because mm-hmm. you, when we're going through it, you just tend to feel like you're the only one, Yeah, you, you know, you tend to be like, and there was a, there was an interesting thing about Rob. I keep talking about him, but it, it ties in was he was, he held uh, his players and parents to such a high, he held them accountable, you know? And not everybody wants to be close to that fire. Like, right? Like, when you know, when you know you're going to get called out. And I I have people joke with me when I'm coaching. They're like, ah, don't watch me. Don't come over here, you know? I'm like, why is that? Because, you know, I'm going to make you do it and do it right. You know what I mean? I know, I know there's more in you. That's a coach's heart. I know, I know there's better in you. And I want to find how we extract that. (laughs) And Rob was, uh, he was a master. He was a master at that. I love it. Man, that reminds me of a, a, a quote that I read the other day that was in that same in that vein. same vein, I guess we would say. Mm-hmm. It's it says self-restraint creates self-respect. An unwillingness to draw hard lines for yourself is not only a poor choice, it's self-betrayal. You're talking about somebody else drawing that line for you, but that quote is basically like at, at some point you have to have the your you have to have a coach's heart for yourself. Because so, it's the obedience. So too. check this out. This is this. I love that you just shared that. Mm-hmm. I love how you just framed that because in the wake of Robert's death, I was coaching the other day and Brian Rice, one of my coaches, who you guys know, he goes, Jeremy, I could, he goes, I could like hear coach Robin Hugh. And it's because it was a five, five round workout and it got to the fifth round and I was getting ready to yell all right, last round, give me your best. I didn't say that. I said, give you your best. Because I know that's what Rob would have said. Yeah. So it's like, don't do this shit for me. Yeah. Do, do this for shit you. for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be your best for you. Yeah. For you and yours. And I just, I just love that. That yeah. just makes me, it just makes me happy. Yeah. It's good. So, man. I, I told that, Vin in, in the wake of Rob's death, I said, you know, it, 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 there is a tendency for people to be like they make it. A, they make death about themselves. You know, like this is my. I'm loss. gonna miss this. Is my struggle. Yeah. This is, yeah. And I was like, man, let's not let's not grieve like that. Let's grieve in a way that honors Rob. Let's grieve in a way that honors God, in our in our family. You know, our name. So, um, yeah, it's good. You, uh, I like. It's so hard to talk about anything else now that we've had such great discussion. Well, here's a here's, no, a, no, good, no, we can pivot. here's a good segue. We can pivot. Uh, when me and my wife started dating, uh, she had a plus one CD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told her I was like, "Oh, you know, he's on the podcast this week, right?" I was like, "Jeremy Meyer." I was like, "You still got that CD?" Oh, dude, give- hold on, hold on. It's our first single. Not only that, but 1999. Who sings first, though? What? Yep. I think you just had that queued up, dude. Yeah, I know, right? I Let's go. It. Don't worry, dude. Oh, who's carrying that mic stand? Dude, the frosted tips? Let's, let's, let's talk about the frosted tips. 
I love uh, you were a meathead back then too. You're uh, like, give me a cutoff. Come on. <laughs> hey, did you guys have a stylist? Did you have like, were you like head to toe in Old Navy? Oh, uh, back then yeah. that was the shit. You know what I'm yeah, Old Navy. Tech vest on. Yeah, leather you know pants. And <laughs> tech vest? You, yeah, I was wearing like a Tommy Hilfiger back then. Was oh yeah, big, oh, yeah. big yeah. Doc Martens. You wouldn't. Say, you would just say Tommy. You wouldn't even. Have oh this. yeah, Tommy. You so, were just wearing yeah. Tommy. Yeah, dude. so funny. Dude, but Those like, are good uh, memories, man. Those are really good memories. Um, that was uh, that whole season. I was uh, telling you guys earlier, like, so my my daughter's really into Taylor Swift, and so she's gone to not the concert, but the, like the movie tour, yeah, the you know, movie. yeah, the movie, movie or whatever, and and so. Like she's, you know, she's seeing like uh, this pop star lifestyle and fans and all this. And I, I, we had a home video that Atlanta Records put together and, uh, you know, it shows us touring throughout the nation and traveling and flying and jet setting everywhere. And, you know, just fans like screaming and Jenny's sitting on the couch last night. She's like, is that Taylor Swift? And Neil's like, no, that's dad. You know, <laughs> uh, but I mean, that's such a, it, I mean, just again, just, it, it's such a reminder of how, how it just really prepared me. Yeah, a lot of different hairstyles Bro, there. Did they give you anything besides a cutoff? You're like, come on, <laughs> no, man, I, sh- sleeves off this. Yeah, I was always having to make. Can them, we talk about like, the marketing side of it? Like, did they tell you to be the uh, the bad boy, the exotic one? No, trust me. Boy? No, no one has ever had to tell me to be the bad boy. Why? <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> yeah, I. There's uh, uh, a Springfield. Look at that. Life. That's cool, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that was oh, a really yeah, cool. Is, you were a pop superstar. You had millions of fans. You went all over the. Like you guys toured the world. Toured the world. You know, yeah, the world we did tour. a we did a huge tour in Southeast Asia, um, the Pacific Rim, Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur, Singapore, the Philippines, which I'm half Filipino, so that was kind of a cool thing to go back totally. to the Philippines. Yeah. So yeah, just a whirlwind, and you just don't even. You don't even, when you're in the thick of it, you just don't even realize that it's, I don't know. And I think in some ways I did. I was always like, I, I look forward to, to sharing this, this season of my life with my kids someday if I, if I have kids. Um, but I'm glad that, I'm glad that social media didn't exist back then. Cause I don't think, cause I really was the bad boy and I probably wouldn't got kicked out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, it was fun. A lot of, I mean, we worked with. We we did some cool things. We sang at the at, you know the Staples Center uh, back in the day. Did you get to be any other game. athletes because of that? Were you like yeah like yeah yeah? That was during the Kobe Shaq era. Yeah. Um, so some of the a bunch of the guys came out um, and and we got to see them and talk to them and. Uh, Chris Weber uh, was playing Sacramento with, the, with Kings. the Kings, and they played. So we sang the national anthem at a Kings Lakers game, and so then, then like two or three months later, we were at Arco Arena for the Jingle Ball, uh, like this huge radio show that they used to do at Arco Arena in Sacramento. So I mean, big artists like Pink, and I mean, Boys to Men, who I grew up like falling asleep idolizing, to and listening, yeah, to idolizing every night, amazing. trying to copy and mirror their vocals and everything. So that was really really cool, but we're standing by the we're standing by the the uh, the sound booth or whatever, and uh, there's this this is huge big dude standing next to us, and he goes, "Hey, it's the plus one guys, what's up, fellas?" And it's Chris Weber. I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, hey, he remembers us. <laughs> <laughs> he knows me. Yeah. It was so cool. That is cool. So man. yeah, a lot of fun. Just so many moments like that. Um, we you know we found ourselves at these parties 
like in Bel Air, like with the Beverly Hills party, huh? Dude, with like Jack Nicholson and I mean, like the the old Hollywood royalty. Feel, like, dude, yeah. feel free to drop these names. Oh gosh, so um, who's the? I'm I'm trying to think of his name. He he. Uh, oh, I can't even think of the movies that he's been in. Rain Rain Man was one of Rain them. Rain Man would be like Dustin, Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. So yeah. Dustin Hoffman, like he got drunk and played the piano, and like he was a really good musician, actually. Wow. Um, did you guys hop on the vocal? I was about to say, we're yeah. like, here, yeah. let's, 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 we did, we got around the table or yeah. we got around the piano and he played and, but, um, and it was, there were so many people and it was such a whirlwind that it, it it's kind of like when you're in that, you, I met, I mean, we met Stevie wonder. We met, we oh met like, wow. Legends, man. Yeah. Legend, legends, legends. Like I would, you get off the elevator at Staples center and you're like, that's Jerry West. And it's like, and, Oh, he's getting on the elevator with us. The oh, logo. Like, yeah. Like just, yeah. I mean, just, uh, it's such a whirlwind, but at the end of the day, it also teaches you that people are people and they don't, it's not about what they've accomplished. Like at the end of the day, when you start having conversations, they just want to get to know you just like who, who you are and who they are. And you just have that baseline kind of you thing. You that happen. conversation back to when you met Grant for the first time, Grant Wistrom mm-hmm. and how you treated him. You're like, well, that was like the 17th fam- most famous person I had met that day or that year, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You're but, like, I've. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but that's the crazy thing is like Grant, he's in such elite company. Like he won a state championship. He won national championships at Nebraska in the Tom Osborne era. And then he won at, in the Super Bowl. And was a top and five like, So think there's like. You you probably could could research it and figure out, but there's probably that's there's not a lot of people that won championships at the trifecta level. like that. Yeah, and and he's Grant. I, he's taught me so much. I so again, all that he's accomplished is amazing. I'm I'm proud of that for him. I think it's amazing, but I love him for who he is. None of that has ever been what he's hung his hat on. It's always been about who he is as a person, and I've learned a lot of of life lessons just from from being with Grant, from sharing the time as business owners together. We did a, we did a interview one time uh, together. And what I love that he said is he said, uh, you know, my thing was, I'm not going to take a playoff. So I knew that the offensive lineman as a defensive end that he was, was going to eventually take one playoff. And he goes, when they did, I'd get my sack. And I mean, that's how we got to live life. Like you just keep showing up. You just mm-hmm. keep, you, you stay at it and you know, at some point there's going to be a breakthrough, right? So, yeah. Gosh, man. I got, I got, I got to <laughs> ask you this, this story you told me once before, but I want you to tell our listeners cause this just goes back to like an era that just doesn't seem that long ago, but it clearly it is. But there was a time when you guys were on tour and you were flying and you just lost your ID but you were able to still board a plane without an ID, which is just absolutely absurd to think about now. Yeah, I mean, it's pre-9-11. Yeah. So it was like 2000 or 99, not, probably. By not much, yeah. But mm-hmm. what, So what happened that day? So we were, uh, we. I think I was flying from Nashville to California. So we lived in San Francisco, and then we lived in L.A., and then we moved to Nashville. And, you know, you record, the hubs for, for recording at the time, at least, were primarily LA, Nashville, New York. So we were going back and forth quite a bit from Nashville to LA. And, uh, uh, I mean, I was just a typical, I mean, I was probably 19. I was probably still a teenager, maybe, maybe 20, but, uh, just a kid. 
And so I'm like trying to sleep as late as I can. And Jeff like, still does this with planes. Yeah, right. right now. So this, so the car gets there to take us to the airport and I'm like throwing stuff in a bag and j- jump in and I get to the airport and I didn't have my wallet. I didn't have my ID. And, uh, uh, they're like, well, you can't, you can't board the plane. Like, you know, there wasn't as much security. So I can't remember if I was still like where we check our bags or if I was actually at the gate. But I was like, I have a CD on me. So I reached in my bag. I was like, hey, uh, this is me. And I'm on the cover of the CD. That's me. You see me right there. And that's my name. I was like, so, like, does that, does that work? Does that work? And they're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right this sir. Yeah. They just <laughs> let me ride on the plane. That's so So, funny. yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's. That's like crazy to think yeah. that that was that was the level of security Can't at TSA. Somehow terrorists got on there. You <laughs> yeah, know? right. Um, that was the level of of. I mean, really though, that was. Yeah. How did that happen? Oh, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, Luke never knew this world. He was born after. <laughs> For real though, what year were you born? Dear oh, <laughs> yeah, dear. never flew. Cool. Yeah, very close. You're in a so this is cool to talk about too. So right now, like recording, you talk about having to go to these three different cities to do majority of the recording, mm-hmm. and it's like nowadays there are people launching full albums out of their bedroom. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. like, um, do you still stay connected at all with your brother and sister, still being musicians and so forth? Like, on how easy it is now for someone to be able to go out on their own. Um, and, and put out their music and, and get stardom without having to go through all the rigmarole that you had to. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I mean, it's a straight line. It's not this zigzag kind of line that was very contrived. I mean, that whole pop era was just, it was manufactured. Mm-hmm. And um, and even going into the recording studio and learning about how the, the music was recorded, you know, you just, you listen to a Frank Sinatra record and you think, oh man, like he just, that was one take through. And back then it was, but by the time you get to the nineties, it's like cut and paste. So it's like, you're, you're singing, uh, you know, you do 40 takes to get like, you know, the verse or the chorus. And then maybe I'm just saying that because I was so bad that like that sometimes it would take 40 takes, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, I mean, music, I, music was a gift for me, uh, vocally and just inherently in my soul and I didn't steward that gift very well, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, just partying and and all of that, and uh, and smoking, and I, I just didn't steward that gift. And so, singing is something is a, it's a muscle. I mean, you have to exercise it. So it's not something that I do all the time now. I will every once in a while, uh, but I play in the guitar front of people, in front of people. I mean, in front of my kids and sure. Jenny, like, I mean, no, like I sang, I think one of the last times I sang publicly was at my grandmother's funeral. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not called to do that anymore. So I'm not, it's not like I like feel bad about it. I, I think I've learned the lesson of stewardship through that. Like, okay, take care of, you got to take care of the gifts that you've been given. But I'm thankful that that's still in my soul. I've been listening to, um, his name's uh, Rick Rubin. He's like a record producer. like oh, One of the best of all time. One of the best of all time. And the guy doesn't play any instruments and he doesn't sing. But music is in his soul and he feels it and he knows what works and what doesn't. And like, I, I, I could do that. Like, hands down, I know I could do that. Because it's, it's, it's just in me. It's like, it's part of my DNA. Music is. 
so it's really cool for me to see as an outlet for like my son, he plays the drums. And so he, he didn't play for like two or three years and we sold the electric kit that he had. And he was like, just randomly last year, he was like, I want to get a drum set again. So we went, we drove to uh, Fort Leonard Wood. There was a guy there that was selling, he was going to Hawaii, getting stationed there. So he's offloading all of his stuff. So we got this really nice drum kit. Min hasn't played for two or three years. This kid is so talented. Like he's literally gets at home, figures out how to set it up. And I'm upstairs right above his room in our living room. And all of a sudden I just hear him jamming. Like he's just like these rolls and riffs and fills. And I'm like, how the hell is he still that good? Yeah. I'm like, it's just, but it's in him. He's grown up listening to music and he's very eclectic. Like he'll be listening to, I'll hear like some jazz song on and then I'll hear like, you know, a current like hip hop or rap artist. And well, dude, it'll think like, about it'll go all over the place. What's beautiful about uh, music now is that, you know, back in the day, if we wanted to be, if we wanted to listen to a lot of different stuff, we got to go to a record store and we got to buy yeah, the different CDs. The yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or, but now it's yeah. like I have Spotify and I find myself listening to just a w way wider variety yeah. of music yeah. because it's like. I'm interested in that. I'm going to look at it and I'll look it yeah. up and I'll be able to, to listen to it. Yeah. And it's accessible. I mean, all the accessibility. Time, right? right here. Exactly. Yeah. But you think about it, like you talk about the, to go back to one of the first questions, like how has the fitness industry changed? How has CrossFit changed? I mean, just the accessibility of everything to everyone at any given time. So I think there's a thing there as well that you have to go back to like figuring out how to narrow your focus so that you can actually be effective at whatever it is. So, you know, it's like, if you want to be a musician, like you will get to the point as you train and have discipline to learn each genre yeah. and style, like you'll, you, you'll get a, as you're good at each individual one, then you're able to like maybe take time away and be still good at all of them, mm -hmm. you know, but yeah, the accessibility to information is in music is particularly is amazing. Have you seen the uh, the video of Rick Rubin when he's talking about working with Johnny Cash when, when Johnny Cash was basically dying? The last uh, mm -mm. album that he did. <clears throat> yeah, did you see that video? No, it's awesome. Oh, no. bro, I love to watch that. He's yeah. he's talking about you know he's like I knew that Johnny didn't have much time left, and he was like I was sending him uh, I was sending him a bunch of. Uh, you know, a bunch of songs that, because he was interested in finishing his album with some covers. And he was talking about, he's like, I sent him nine inch nails hurt. And he was like, he didn't like it at first because obviously Johnny Cash is listening to nine inch nails. He's like, I don't see it, you know? <laughs> and uh, he's like, but Rick Rubin's such a genius that he was like, I sent him like three other CDs afterwards. And I started moving hurt up the list up the list until I last when I sent him, it was the number one uh, song on there. And he's like, I think you need to listen to hurt again. He's like, I really think that that, that song he, and he's like, you need to listen to it and you need to listen to the lyrics of it because I think the lyrics of it, you'll really connect with. And uh, Johnny Cash ended up cutting it. And I think that was Johnny Cash's biggest song. Last single. His oh like, yeah. 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 It was single. incredible. I yeah. Mean, I like, know. I'm, I remember. I'm yeah. like 14 years old and love this. But song. Yeah. that just goes back to like Rick Rubin. He just like, imagine that. Imagine nine inch nails just, and Johnny just, Cash. Just and you're like, your head, yeah. you're like, this is going to work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's just, you couldn't be more different really. But like, he just has that, you know, that thing that, you know, what you were saying is just inside him, you know, yeah, where he just knows. And there's a humanization, like he's, he's a human. And yeah. so he's connecting the music style doesn't, ch and it, it changes, but mm -hmm. the, 
people are people. So yeah. he's, he's able to connect with the human aspect and then just find what he knows works. And I think that's the same, you know, it's the same when you put into practice in the real time, whatever it is that you do for a living is like finding common ground just at a human level with whatever it is that you're trying to sell or, you know, whatever the work that you're called to to do is, is just finding those, that common ground with people. Yeah. You know, I agree. Um, um, yeah, hear this. What is the song that you like to best perform in the car with your family? What's this, what's your go-to uh, an- family anthem? Um, where everybody joins in. Where everybody joins in. Sure. That's tough right now. That's tough right now with the four of us. So like my daughter is like, uh, like I said, she's a Swifty and, uh, Jenny and I, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, honestly. Yeah, your daughter was mad that you came to Kansas City without her. No, like, oh, yeah. I bet Taylor's there. Yeah, right. <laughs> you mentioned, uh, recording versus uh, performing, right? Uh, you loved performing, didn't really like recording. And so yeah. what was, uh, if there was a genre that you could have performed instead of pop, what would it be? Um, I think, like, folksy, um, you know, like I grew up with my dad playing like James Taylor in the car. Um, I really love Harry Connick Jr. Um, just think he's always been like one of those artists that as a jazz musician that I really connected with. Um, but I love Christmas album. Yeah. But I mean, I like, I loved, um, like gospel, like Kirk Franklin. Um, like, so I love like Maverick city worship now. Um, I mean, I, I just, I just love music. I like what I like. Um, I've always enjoyed like music, like Coldplay, but I love, I mean, I love everything. I'm, I'm you really like new Coldplay. You ever um, new stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I honestly, yeah. I mean, but I, I listen to everything. Like I, I really do. I listen to everything. I love, uh, hip hop culture and rap culture. Um, I love, yeah, there's just, there's not really a style of music that I probably wouldn't be able to tell you an artist that I don't get down with. Like, I, I'm like in country, I can tell you I like this person. Like, it, I just love music. So, yeah. Same. Yeah. Man. We got a, we got one question we ask all of our guests. You, and uh, it might have been influenced by what we did before we got on this podcast. You know what? <laughs> we're going we're gonna to do a little twist because. We've all lived in Springfield, Missouri. Oh yeah, Springfield. Ooh, uh, secret, secret, awesome spot to eat. If uh, if you're listening Missouri's to this and you haven't been eateries. to Springfield, they got pretty good food scene in Springfield. I'm, yeah, I Absolutely. think so. Yeah. yeah. So we uh, we I'm really a big miss, foodie. We miss grad school, hmm. which is now just job only. But mm-hmm. we still know you can get the full ride burger. If you I mean, go to J-O-B. there's a lot. Mm-hmm. Black sheep's good. Is that black sheep burger? Yeah, black sheep's still there. They're still awesome. But if I'll put it this way, in Springfield. If you were to say, hey, we're, people are visiting Springfield for the first time, mm. what's the food spot they have to go to? Oh, gosh. You got to give them one. You can only pick one. Oh, dude. We're going to make this your clip, so we, we're going to blast <laughs> it all over I Springfield. Know, right? yeah. He's like, I know a lot of restaurants. Yeah. I do, actually. I do. I, I, really, I really do. Um, man, I think the Asian in me is just going to go with Ocean's End. Like, oh, uh, Ocean's yeah, in is yeah. Yeah. It's still it's, there. On it's still there. I thought you were going to go Nikado, but yeah, I like I like right, the hibachi, Joe. but I just feel like I feel like Ocean Zen has that Asian American kind of fusion with their sushi. They do they do their steaks really really well. You know how like people kind of use like the I, I know that as a business owner, like inflation is a real thing, but like there's sometimes where I'm looking at like. <laughs> 
the cost of some of these entrees. And I'm like, ah, now I know you're just, you're trying to use, yeah. you're like taking it to a whole nother level. Yeah. Like I feel like Ocean's End. Gouging. Like they're, yeah, gouging it. And like I see, I see that their prices are proportional to like there's equity. I don't like being upside down in transaction. I yeah. don't like people owing me and I don't like owing people. Yeah. So I feel like I want there to be value for what it, what it is I'm getting. And like when I think about their quality, their service, their environment, all of those things and then their food, like I just, I love it. Yeah. Like, that's a great answer. Ocean's End uh, was the spot for uh, drive-through sushi back it's, in the day. It's on do they Asian. still got the drive-through? <laughs> because that it's was on like Asian you food get bro. legit good sushi Dude, through the drive-through, and I was like, "This is this was I, all right next to this was like there was Fuji, there was Ocean's yeah, End, yeah. there was uh, Chinese Chef, yeah. what it's called." Yeah. And there, there Ohana, was like, there Ohana was, was right there. And then like right across the street was like Gem of India. There was like seven <laughs> ethnic food places all on one corner of Campbell and Battlefield. Yeah. Gem of India is not there Gem of anymore. India, dude. It isn't. No, of course. No. It's got to be there. There was multiple Gem of Indias. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. The Springfield scene, most ethnic food per square mile <laughs> of any city. In, Unbelievable. In Spring Vegas. Yeah. Spring, Springfield style cashew chicken. I always tell people I'm on like. On the menu here in Kansas City many places. I Is just, it really? Oh There's yeah. a place in California that had Springfield style cashew chicken. That's amazing. Unbelievable. Man. Yeah. See? Canton Inn, man. They're the ones putting it down, I feel like. They're yeah. the ones. I, I that, always, that place still there. I always oh, tell oh, people yeah. I'm like, dude, Springfield, Missouri, sushi wise, just Kicks the shit out of doesn't even Kansas compare. City. Doesn't even, <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't even compare. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I could see that. So, yeah, like I said, the Asian in me likes that, but I've got it. You're really not lying. Like, it would be really hard for me to say, like, because I I just know a lot of people in town. I've been in Springfield for such a long time that uh, so many different restaurateurs or tiers or however I say that they're their friends. So yeah. I like them all. Like Is uh, flame still there. Flame, flame is still there. Yeah, God, flame is still good. there. Um, and, and that's that's very, that's like a, that's a top, probably top three for me. Yeah. Like I put that top three. What was that other spot that was like on the south side of town that everybody loved so much? Um, something grill, Medi- Medi- Mediterranean grill? No. No, Neapolitan or no. Uh, Napoli. We're or talking like real down battlefield towards. Uh, oh, uh, Metro, Metropolitan Grill, Metropolitan Grill. Yeah, so so that's yeah. Metro is still there and it's still phenomenal. Um, and then they they did a like sister restaurant called Retro Metro, and one of my really good friends, uh, Tiny, is his nickname because it's ironic because he's like huge. Of course, uh, Chef Tiny Brandon Moore, but he owns uh, Retro Metro now. There's us. Mm-hmm. There's my wife and I at Retro Metro. So my beautiful Jenny Shine Shine. But yeah, look, Jared Bond with the happy faces. JB, love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, and Jeff, Jeff liked like it. <laughs> yeah, but Retro Metro is awesome. Yeah. Like he's taken, Tiny has done such a good job, like taking the original Metro menu. I don't know if you remember whenever you went there, like they, all their dishes were like named, named after. after people, so they have the proximal pork chop there. Oh, <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. That's awesome. So I was on the menu. Nice, yeah. dude. It was really good. And, and, uh, yeah. You know, Jeff's got a menu item in Springfield as well. And I knew he was wanting me to bring this up. Thanks for not making me plug it. Yeah. Thanks. But uh, it, hold on, hold on. Is Purple Burrito still there? Still there? Absolutely. Yes. There's okay. No it's still there, dude. Yes, it's still there. there is, I just saw it last night. I was I was on campus at Missouri State. Yeah. And I was driving up Campbell. Campbell. And I had I did one of these. 
Oh my gosh. Still open. Still yeah. Open. They're still there. I never wow. go there, but yeah. Cali style burrito. But you were there because it's right across the street from, from the original store. From the original store. So, yes, so, so what's your dish? What's yeah. your burrito? Well, there's two now. Um, might have to go, <laughs> might have to go scarf you up tonight. I'm not kidding when I say it's, it's phenomenal, but the Jeff's hangover burrito uh, was a breakfast burrito served all day. They didn't serve breakfast burritos at the time. They Dude, just opened. And I was like, bro. I think I, I think I have had that. Mm-hmm. Because that's like a really genius marketing strategy. Because yeah. when you're hungover, you're like, well, obviously. I, need yeah. I should probably here. get that one. Yeah. It's literally the kitchen sink in a burrito. It's, for real. It's eggs, cheese, jalapenos, hash. Like a good breakfast burrito has to have hash browns, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, and then it has um, your choice of meat, right? So like, they had everything there, right? You, so my favorite... Because I was taught this, but I'd never had it until then. It was machaca. It's like a shredded beef, but that is phenomenal and a breakfast burrito. And then anyways, the later on, the like years later, I got into keto and we started sending everybody over there to get a keto dish where they would give you, you know, basically a burrito bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was funny as we changed it to the fat Jeff and the skinny Jeff. If you want to get the fat Jeff, that's the hangover burrito. If you want to get the keto meal, that's the skinny Jeff. So, so It worked out great. Thanks to Purple Burrito for uh, keeping me on the menu. I still have a receipt that says one Jeff burrito on it somewhere. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Proximal pork chop, probably good, but not as good as Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Jeff's hangover burrito, you know, proximal pork chop. Anyways, Next time you're in Springfield, Shout out Springfield, Missouri. We yep. love you. Um, for everybody listening, uh, we thank you guys so much for listening. I don't feel like we do that enough, but for everybody listening, we genuinely appreciate it. Uh, Jeremy, love you, man. Thanks so much for being here. You're the best, man. You are, dude. For real. Such an awesome awesome podcast. We appreciate you taking the journey up from Springfield. And uh, we'll have to come out whenever uh, Heavy Weights becomes a case. Yeah, plug plug that real quick. So a a buddy of mine that we're getting to know each other, uh, Michael Wilson, uh, he he had this idea, this vision for a podcast called Heavy Weights. And it's kind of geared more towards men with a focus of – I'm just kind of relinquishing and letting go of some of the burdens that maybe were not intended to carry, uh, build community, uh, to support each other as we care that carry the things that we are intended to carry. So I'm really excited, man. Um, we're, uh, we're, he, my wife worked with his wife and, um, there were some things that they went through in terms of miscarriages or whatever. And, um, Jenny, uh, was a really big support, I think, to Caitlin during that time. And then uh, Trey Betts, he lives up here now, strength and conditioning coach, really talented, talented young man. Uh, he connected Michael and I. Michael pitched me the idea for this podcast. And honestly, it was just kind of a gut feeling, like an instinct of like, man, what you're communicating to me is something that I think men really need. Because um, I think a lot of times men, we tend to like, you know, we're carrying all this bur- these burdens and we're like just putting on a good face that we're like, we're suffering in silence, you know. Mm-hmm. It's emasculating We've, to share that. Yeah. Exactly. Like I can't talk about the addiction that I'm struggling with. I can't talk about the marital problems or financial problems or, you know, the, the family problems, relational kid problems, stress that work or whatever and um, all that stuff. So, you know, my big thing doing this heavyweights podcast was like, I don't want this to be just a gripe fest. I don't want it to be kind of an Eeyore you know, mindset, because I do believe that there's a lot of things as men that we, we are intended to carry. There's burdens that you just, you better be strong enough to, to, to handle that. And so Michael uses the backpack analogy of like, there's things that need to fit in our backpack. There's things that we need to offload 
uh, in a healthy way. So yeah, that's the, that's a podcast and I'm really excited. Um, I think, uh, I, I think that, that it's going to be a, a positive thing. And it's kind of funny because Michael and I didn't know each other going into it and we're like getting to know each other on the podcast <laughs> in real time. We are building a relationship of friendship. That's so yep. awesome, man. I'm looking forward to listening to it myself. Yeah. Um, thanks. And uh, I love the message. Thank you. Thank you. Dude, thank you again, man, for coming on. It's been it's been awesome, dude. I'm, for real. Seriously, I can't say enough about what you guys are doing, what you guys have been to me as a, uh, just a friend through the years. And again, thankful to have this full circle moment. It is pretty you cool, know? man. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Appreciate you guys. Love you. All right. Cool.